hey guys, uh, I'm sure you know that out there it's crazy, right? The economy is going nuts and a lot of freelancer friends or people working in the gig economy or creatives, um, they're just struggling because a, a lot of what they're usually doing cannot carry on. So their life is being disrupted because their business is being disrupted because their finances are being disrupted. So today we're going to dabble into some strategies that can uh, help our freelancer friends become a little bit better in terms of their financial security. So I want to put it out there. It doesn't mean that we're going to solve your shit now. But, you know, once this thing tides through, I think some of these practices are very good practices to becoming a better freelancer, a better creative, a better gig worker. So yeah, stay tuned. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances as well. And today, we're going to spend some time to dabble into some of these financial practices that can help you become a better freelancer. Okay, welcome. Uh, if you're a freelancer, welcome. If you're not a freelancer, also, you know, stay tuned. And if you find this uh, interesting and you would like to share with your freelancer, creative friends, feel free too. And yeah, I think before we begin, uh, we've got to talk a little bit about, you know, the, f- the freelancer concept, right? Essentially, um, whether you call it freelancer, part-time work, gig work, project work, you know, uh, whatever work, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming like a cluster, Right, so I'm I'm sure within the freelancer community there are like different stratas also. Um, so I will not break down every single kind of freelancing work, but generally, the understanding of freelancing is that your income is very project based, right? So you are paid project by project, and your income is relatively unstable in the sense that you know you got to work for it, and um, you, it's it's not like every month you get a certain fixed pay. And in the context of Singapore, essentially, um, you don't have direct input into CPF because it, you're not, you don't have employer contribution and you're not kind of forced to do it because you're not like fully employed. So in other words, yeah, while you are not locked out of the CPF system, you're not organically partaking in the CPF system such that, you know, certain huge social policies that we have may uh, not, not exactly have your best interests, uh, like, right, like HDB system, like CPF, like Medisafe. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, freelancers have to pay many save also uh, because we take so much pride and our system is built around the whole CPF social security system that when you are not partaking it organically you essentially get priced out a lot of these other things so I think many of these systems are, are pretty good you know um, in my view okay they're pretty good I don't speak for the government I think it's pretty good but a lot of problems are starting to arise, you know, because of the rise of gig worker, because of the rise of freelance job or project-based kind of work, you realize that as more and more, or more, and more of our citizens uh, are going into the gig economy, essentially the social security system collapses, right? Because people are not organically partaking the CPF and everything is kind of joined into it. So yeah, if you are from the CPF, I know CPF has a podcast. If silently you listen to our podcast, right, I would definitely like to reach out to you to just kind of organize the sessions together for discussion. But yes, today we're not going to talk about government policy. We're just going to accept that this is the current situation, 
you know, that a lot of our freelancer friends experience. And we're going to talk about some of these strategies that can, so these financial practices that can help you become better, you know, more financially secured and uh, essentially become a better freelancer. And we're going to be joined by a good friend of ours, uh, Samuel. Uh, Samuel Go from uh, The Left Side. Uh, so he runs a podcast called The Left Side. The last I heard, he doesn't really want to do it anymore because, you know, uh, some sort of like a motivation shift. So definitely check out his podcast, The Left Side. If you enjoy, you know, go and book him at Samuel Go, you know, on Instagram. Uh, Samuel Go, S-A-M-U-E-L-G-O-H. I'm quite amazed. Like he must be one of the early people that use Instagram uh, to be able to use, to actually get the handle Samuel Go. Nothing in front, nothing behind. So check him out um, And if you enjoy what he's doing um, Definitely go and book him Ask him to continue his podcast The Left Side And more importantly I think he has been through A certain set of struggles To get to where he is In terms of becoming One of the more prominent um, Wedding photographers in Singapore And he's so prominent That when we asked him To introduce himself He was like Oh I very long Never introduced myself already And yes, so he's not exactly here here per se, but we're going to crop some of the snippets from our Facebook Live discussion with him. Within it, there are like a lot of nuggets. And that's why we wanted to do this episode using that Facebook Live discussion. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to go and hear the whole thing, definitely head over to our Facebook page, okay? But those are pretty unique to the creative industry and I do not want to dabble too much today. I just want to focus on some of the more financial focused things that he talked about. Like what does he do, you know, to better his life in this uh, freelance career? So what's going to happen is we're going to essentially state the point, like what we always do. We state the point and then we'll crop in a snippet from that long form interview on our Facebook and after that snippet, we'll come in to comment, right? I'll come in and comment. And actually, a lot of things he says, of course, I agree. Like, I know why I crop, right? And yes, so the first financial strategy to become a better freelancer is to give yourself a pay from your business. Essentially, separating your business accounts and your personal accounts. And I think a lot of you know, freelancers do this. Everything put into one account, right? And this is what Samuel has to say. Um, but I will say a lot of creatives, we don't come from financial background. So we just like to do what we do. So because of that, we run into a lot of cash flow problems as well. So I, for, for myself, for I say for the most part of my earlier years, I was just in and out through my personal account. So every client, the deposit is into my personal account. The money I spend on food, on holidays, on my movies, um, equipment is all from the same account. And some months there are no jobs, some months there are more jobs. So I never know when the money is going to come in, when am I going to run out of money. Uh, So those were my challenges um, earlier on. I honestly think that it's most people's challenges. A lot of freelancers will face this challenge. And why do I uh, agree that you should separate your business accounts from your personal accounts? There are a few reasons. One is you can separate your identity, right? I think a lot of times when everything is lumped into one account or if all your finances are lumped together, you cannot see yourself separate from your business. Because the truth be told is you can be very skilled, but your business can suck. Right? And if, if you're very good at what you're doing, let's say you're a photographer in the context of Sam, you're very good at what you're doing, but your business is just not working. But if you put everything together, if all the finances clump together, you cannot tell that, hey, actually, uh, my business is not working, you know, I'm pretty good at what I do. And if I take the same skill set and sell it to someone else, I mean, I work for someone else, then actually, hey, I can, I can do fine and maybe not so stressed, don't need to hustle for jobs and everything and I can still make very decent income or maybe even more. 
on top of that, I also believe that when you put everything together, you become very emotional about your business, right? Because objectively, your business is your income, is your life. Then, of course, you will be very emotional about your business lah, because it is your life. Ma. But if you can separate out your finances and see it separately, right? Essentially, your business that you created and you, your skill set, you, you, you as an individual are separate things. You become less emotional about it. You become a lot more accurate and objective about, about your business. How do you actually scale the business? Or if say certain parts are not working out, then you can cut it. And yes, I do see freelancing as kind of like a personal small business where rather than working for someone else, you set up a business of your own and you work for yourself, right? So to me, that is kind of where it is. And yeah, I know for some people, you know, um, you have not even set up like a sole proprietorship or like your own private limited, a business entity essentially. So you don't exactly have a business account, but you can always set up another personal account to, you know, have all the cash flow and manage manage that personal account as your business account, right? So my view is when you have the kind of separation, you have much more clarity and you pay yourself, you have the kind of income stability to be able to then plan for your own personal finance while you plan for the business's finance, right? It ain't need to be separated. So you become clearer of what is working and what is not rather than clump everything together. My life is jalat, you know? So I think a lot of freelancers struggle with this. I definitely hope that you can separate it out. And the second point to become a better, financially stronger freelancer is that you may need to have two times more savings than others, right? Just because relative to others, you you naturally do not experience the same stability, lah, right? So I've been on both sides. I'm going to share with you uh, my experience after a word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I think Samuel is a bit kiasu lah, huh? He really saved like 24 months and I'm going to let him share with you uh, why he did what he did, okay? I know people typically recommend six months. But being in my, my line of work, I was actually more comfortable with 24 months. Yeah. So I was... I was <laughs> just, just want to clarify. So 24 months, uh, you, you mentioned you take out 2,500 a month, or that was your salary that you gave. Um, mm-hmm. Does that mean you were saving up 2,500 times 24? Or is that like, are you One just point. talking about your own expenses? Yeah, well, actually, because I was always thinking in terms of me and my, my wife. So if our uh, yearly um, expenses is about 60,000, 70,000, I'm comfortable having twice of that. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are saying six months, but I always kind of imagine the worst, worst case scenario. And I guess now it's really the worst case scenario where if this drags on long term, it could be one or two years. And six months... Ooh, I don't I don't know if you can survive on six months. So I always um, thought I would need 24 months. So I have the 24 months. So even right now when things are rough, I can still continue drawing on that salary. And I guess when times are good, 
sucking away a lot of money into like CPF, into Singapore savings bonds, uh, fixed deposits, um, dividend stocks. So even though now the dividend is cut, the bonds are still giving me that, that income. So in, in a sense, it's not that much, but it still helped me to maintain my lifestyle. So I'm not too worried yet. And rightfully so. I mean, Samuel saved like 24 months um, worth of expenses, right? So, and and in his words, essentially, this is probably one of the craziest times already because um, business essentially stalled. You can't do anything. But also opportunities will arise and people start to see new ways of presenting their own skill sets, right? Which is essentially... Um, playing on the first point, which is why you should separate your business accounts and your personal accounts because the reality is the business environment get, can change, but your skill sets are, are the same, right? So how do you reapply that to a different business climate and then kind of grow there? But on this point of having more savings than others, I think this is pretty inevitable because um, from my personal experience, when I wasn't holding on to a job, right? When I was um, very much living on my own, you know, income in terms of like my investment income and just kind of side gigs here and there, I actually do feel a little bit more jittery because of the lack of stability. Of course, at that point in time, I had a lot of misconceptions about owning a job. Right? Like, what well, work for other people's dream? You know, that kind of things that people say. But the reality is, um, it is a lot more complex than that. And we can talk about it in another podcast. We, we probably have talked about it uh, in some of the earlier podcasts about paychecks and whatnot. But because of the lack of like stable cash flow, I, I always felt very uh, jittery and, and generally unable to plan too far. Right, because I don't have my baselines covered essentially, right? I gotta try to like keep my expenses low, always be lean and just, you know, see what kind of jobs come and, and whatnot. But once I gotten that basic so I only saved twelve months to be exact, right? Which is also a little bit more than what other people are already recommending. Um, but twelve months gave me a lot more stability because I know that whatever shit happens, I have a year to back me up, right? And I have a year to sort out my my shit, like essentially. And that gave me a lot more confidence in pursuing different kind of presentation of my craft or different kind of um, ventures out there, right? So to me, I think there's a lot of benefit, you know, in savings, and we've talked about it extensively, but in the focus of freelancers, right? Freelancers inevitably will have to have more savings because you want to ride out, you know, or from that kind of instability in your income because you, you experience income surges. Some months you have a lot more, some months you have a lot less, you know, and inevitably to maintain a certain lifestyle, you have to draw down your savings pretty periodically. Unlike other people, which is holding a job that have a stable income, that savings is really sitting there only during emergency, right? But for a lot of freelancers, I think savings are being drawn down periodically, Right, so you draw it down during bad months and you, you pump it back up during good months. So you also want that security in terms of the emergency side of things. But periodically, since you draw down, since we draw down our savings um, during the low months, then yeah, we should probably save up a bigger chunk so that we can ride through these kind of uh, waves. Right? So Samuel says 24 months, you know, I think at least 12 months. Right? And the third point is, I think you should focus more on your craft rather than trying too hard to invest. Okay, so so let uh, I will substantiate my point after we listen to Samuel. I guess there's so many school of thoughts in terms of like investing, right? Mm. And it really depends on your personality and uh, I guess your your expertise as well and what you're comfortable with. So, 
I dabbled a little bit in um, active investing in 2016. So I just put a little bit in some blue chips uh, here and there. But then I, I put in some other stocks as well, Singapore stocks, and I got burned as well. So that made me realize that I'm not that good at valuation and valuating whether this company is, you know, is this price really good? What's the forecast? What's going to happen? So I realized that I'm not really good at that because I'm too busy running my business. I don't have the time to study into that. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather be focusing the time on my business, building networks, and I guess just keeping the cash flow going. So I think it was sometime last year, last January, I read um, a book by, I think it's a guy called Joshua Gersh or something. Um, and he has a book called Rich by Retirement. So he covered a range of topics like CPF, um, savings, and was that he, he, his, investment, his investment style is the three index um, fund. So like one home index, uh, one home bond, and one international index. So I started investing that way in 2019. So I started January 2019. After that, um, there was another crash. I have no idea why, but markets are down. I started then... I think 20 odd percent in the end of 2018, yeah. Yeah. So I started then. um, Over the year, it grew quite a fair bit. The later part of the year, I was getting a bit uncomfortable because the prices were so high. Um, Yeah, and now the market is down 20-30%, but I'm still following the same... Um, investment, um, I guess, method. Because when I first started, I kind of spread out the funds that I have and the funds that I have coming in. I spread it out into a five-year investment period. And I guess my take was because I'm not that good at timing the market and I'm not sure if there is going to be a market crash in the next five years. So if I can stretch out my DCA in five-year period, I can potentially write out the highs and the lows I think in that short few minutes, right, Samuel has covered a lot of things like, you know, um, trying to pick stocks and understanding that it's a lot more complex than what he thinks it is. Um, Things about DCA, things about, you know, um, trickling into you know, your investments and uh, even reading books, right? Rich by Retirement. Okay, I've not read the book, but a lot of people are telling me that's a good book. So I'll go and read it and I'll share with you guys my thoughts and infer how you would like to infer based on what he says and pick up different tips based on what what he has shared, you know. But in my view, how I see it is, I think a lot of freelancers, in the first place, why we do what we do is because we enjoy, you know, the craft. We enjoy what we are doing, whether is it theatre or whether is it, you know, um, even, you know, being a financial planner, I think there's a certain level of enjoyment in terms of planning people's finances, and of course, I don't discount uh, the whole idea of income potential when choosing freelance jobs. And I also don't discount the fact that there are many people out there today that are uh, underemployed and partaking in freelance jobs like uh, Grab Driver or like, ooh, like delivery kind of thing because they just cannot find other jobs that they will be more vested in. I don't discount that fact. Uh, we can talk about all these uh, other things about underemployment and all in another podcast. All right, but if let's say you are choosing this freelance jobs, this freelance career because you want to do it, because you enjoy it and you want to change, you want to pursue that craft in a way where you deem fit, right? which is how a lot of freelancers kind of started, then I feel that you should focus on your craft rather than spend too much time thinking of how to invest. And when I talk to a lot of my freelancer friends, they... 
many of them are interested to invest because I think they do recognize the reality of you know, uh, the income instability and the lack of participation in CPF or, or these kind of stuff. So whatever strategy you choose to adopt, my central idea is that you should focus on upgrading your craft first and you know, networking and building your business. Because in my view is there is more upward potential in you becoming better in a freelance setting rather than in a job setting, right? Because in a job setting, you're expected, right? I've said this before, you're expected to work. And you're, you know, even if you are become, even if you are better at what you do, you don't get promoted, you are still paid the same, all right? So it's good to continue to be better at what you do, whether or not you are paid more. But in a freelance setting, as long as you are better and you can command a higher price, you can get more business, your projection in terms of your kind of income potential, it's much higher than being in a job setting. Of course, I'm not saying it's easy, but you, you, you kind of see what I'm saying, right? In terms of you becoming better in your craft in a freelance setting has more upward, upward kind of incentive, you know, income incentive compared to being better your craft when you're in a job setting. So I do recommend that um, for most freelancers to focus on your craft more than trying to learn how to invest and everything. And I think it's in the blood of uh, being a freelancer that many of them like to, you know, do do on their own, right? And learn new things and do on their own and pick up investing and all. But truth be told, uh, investing is not as simple. You know, it's also quite a freelance job, right? You, you, you need to pick up a whole new set of skill set to do it, right? So it's a lot more complex. And I'm not saying that you cannot learn to pick stocks. You cannot learn how to invest and whatnot. But, you know, outsourcing that part in the early stages or working with like robos or doing simple kind of investment strategies will probably serve you better in your early days as a freelancer while you build your career and build your, you know, establish yourself in the space of whatever you're trying to do. Don't need to sweat it about investing. Okay, so I think that's all for this week's episode. I'm going to sum it up today with number one, you got to give yourself a pay from your own business, right? Essentially separate your business accounts and your personal accounts so that you have a lot more clarity as to what is working in your business and what is it that you need to improve in your personal life. You don't want to mix everything together and jump over and be in a mess. Huh? Number two is you probably have to have two times more savings than others just because of the reality of um, your income, you know, that it is not consistent and you periodically draw down your savings. So you want a bit more float, you know, to cover that emergency and also cover that periodic kind of income surges and depression. Okay. And number three is that you want to focus on your craft rather than investing, you know, when you're just starting because I think there's a lot more upward kind of income potential, you know, when you're focusing on your craft in the early days rather than spending too much time, you know, thinking of how to invest while building your craft. And spend more time with your craft, it is fine. You can always outsource the investment portion. So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. How together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, everything is in the description below. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to keep us going and stay independent, do buy us Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead, stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Test, test. Um, okay, I hope you learned something useful. I'm sure many people uh, 
have different ways of managing their personal finance, especially in, in a freelance setting because, you know, it's a lot more open-ended, right? You you don't follow the narrative. You don't have CPF. You don't have like a fixed income. You know, you don't have like a medium income per se, you know. So, yeah, it's a lot more free-form. But I personally feel that these are some of the main things that you can consider inputting into your finances, you know, uh, so that you can be essentially a better freelancer and pursue what you enjoy and pursue what you want to pursue, you know, while keeping your finances in check, right? So once again, there's no right or wrong. If you have any other interesting points, uh, do reach out to us and let us know if you enjoy something like that, right? Where we crop other clips into, you know, comment and add on to it. I think it's it's a pretty fun thing to do. And we'll probably do a few more on, on this kind of structure. Yeah, because we have done quite a few you know you like uh facebook live and i thought it was fun uh, so you know but it's a uh, very long window a lot of uh, blabber in between so we want to like kind of decipher like squeeze and squeeze out all the good juice and put them together into an episode yes and for next week's episode we're going to spend some time with maureen if you don't know who is maureen lee you can go and check out her facebook page maureen lee m-a-u-r-e-e-e-n yeah right so maureen lee like Lee L-I, yeah? um, she is a property developer, a small-time property developer, not those like huge ass ones, but um, they mainly focus on property revamp, you know, uh, property, like, you know, those shop house, right? And then like very lock-cock already, they buy a few property together and then they build and upgrade a whole new set, you know, and also a lot of more like property uplifting. And yeah, I got her to come on the show to share with us her property experience and how does she see some of these property myths that are being peddled out there you know, things like um, sell one, buy two or things like property, no money down and those kind of stuff, right? So yeah, we, we're going to hear from her to share with us some uh, her views of the current property market and, you know, how young people can then enter the property market. All right, so that, that'll be fun. That'll be next week. And yeah, I hope you learned something, right? Uh, do continue to share. Give us some questions. Uh, join, our tele- t- join our Telegram group discussion. Lah. Okay, see you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.